Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2021 Farmers Insurance Open DraftKings Picks and Preview. You out there, smash the like button to the video, okay? In the comment section, give me your favorite two plays in the $6,000 range. I want to play some Stars and Scrubs this week, so I want to see who your cheap guys are, see if they match up with mine, and boom, we're off to the races trying to win some cash together. You want some cash? Easy stuff here. Two ways to get into draws for two separate draws for 100 American dollars, which is a lot of money for me. It's like $3 million Canadian or something like that. I don't know what the conversion is. But number one, if you go to my Twitter feed right now, uh, you can find out that Michael Ruvolo, whose dad won 200K on the weekend. So congrats again to Ruby's dad. He's giving away $100 to one of the viewers on, well, I'll announce it on tomorrow's Wednesday's. Wednesday live chat to, for this week only is back at noon Eastern time on Mayo Media Network. So all you need to do is subscribe to Mayo Media Network. You can find the tweet that's up on my Twitter feed. You retweet that, boom, you're in the draw. That's all you need to do. Just be a sub to Mayo Media Network on YouTube. You're good to go. The other $100 draw, which I'll be announcing the winner on Monday show with Jeff Feinberg, is subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review. Something you enjoy about the show, your Twitter handle or your email so I can contact you and boom, you'll be in that draw for a hundred American dollars. Sounds pretty good. All the stats today are provided from fantasynational.com. You want to use the simulator. You want to use the lineup generator. Search any stat you want. Fantasynational.com slash Mayo. Get yourself 20% off. You're serious about winning. Highly suggest you use Fantasy National. Let's bring him in because it's been quite a while. Uh, I haven't seen him since the DFS Open, which was almost a year ago at this point. And he's, it's been a while since he's been on the show. Reed Fowler from DraftKings, what's up? What's up, Pat? Yeah, it's been a while. We were talking about it before we came on, trying to figure it out. We did a commercial a while back that every now and then we see on Twitter, someone sends you an IDM. Uh, they say, hey, you guys are on our screen at 2 a.m. in the morning. Uh, but no, we figured out DFS Open was last. And uh, yeah, it's last time I've been out of the New England region here. But excited to be back. It was the weekend I discovered you're actually really good at golf, which I did not know. Yeah, actually, like that's my like, if I can be really good at golf and really bad at making golf picks, like I don't know which one I like. Well, definitely one makes me way more money than the other. Uh, but I guess if there's one saving grace to my bad picks, it's going to be that I kind of know how to play some golf. So we'll, I haven't played. I haven't picked up a club uh since since that so it's probably bad news if i try anytime soon yeah i very rarely do you see someone with an apex height on shots quite like yours you're just hitting the lifters <laughs> and dropping them down there it was very impressive oh thanks man thanks buddy appreciate that let's jump into the farmers no tiger obviously this week but we got a full field of 156 players they'll be splitting between the north and south course the first two days if you're playing DraftKings showdown play guys at the north course uh that's just a very simple way to go about it and you'd be shocked at how many people won't just stack the north course if they are if there are split tees we don't have tee times as of yet take guys on starting on hole number one over guys starting on hole number 10 uh, once again do not use bad players starting on number one and to avoid good players starting on 10 but you have a runway with eight nine and ten for a potential birdie streak if you do start on the first hole at the north course those holes are a little bit easier than the wraparound of 17 18 1 18 1 and 2 so just a little extra two percent to uh try to get you over the hump and showdown contest this week if you don't feel like you know hand building a whole bunch of lineups or you really want to get a bunch of lineups in and these are really the weeks amex uh, I don't know what the rotation is for Pebble, but Farmers, Amex, and Pebble Beach are really the only times I play showdown contests throughout the year because I do think that there's a massive advantage uh, just stacking the easy courses versus the hard courses because so many people don't do it. The smart people all do it. And listen, now that you're watching the show, you can be considered a smart person as well. That's just uh, something that I believe in. I'll actually play a bunch of contests, just run, pick the guys that I want, run the lineup generator through Fantasy National, boom, upload my lineups. It's done in like five minutes. So we're good to go on that front. Driving distance week. Reed, we haven't seen one of these yet no. this year, but we're here finally. Yeah, and it kind of harkens to a little bit of how I'm looking at other courses that correlate to, to what we have here. And it's kind of the old style of golf course, right? The U.S. Open-esque type of setup doesn't necessarily have to be exactly that. But driving distance definitely is going to play a part just because, like we know, the South Course playing three times. It's a behemoth. And the redesign, but he's made it, or they've made it even longer. 
right? They've changed a lot of these T placements, um, excuse me, these T boxes, and they've made one of the longest courses, if not the longest on the PGA Tour, that much longer. Uh, and so when I'm looking at that driving distance, and, and look, like Brent Snedeker and some of these guys have won without it. Uh, so I'm not necessarily saying it's weighted, if you're going on Fantasy National, over like a 15 to 20%. But it's definitely going to uh, it's, it's definitely going to be a tiebreaker if it's in between two guys, and definitely one of my key stats. Uh, the, well, there's two advantages with driving distance this week. One is that it's very hard to hit the fairway at Torrey Pines South in particular. So being 100 yards up in the rough is much better than being 100 yards back in the rough when you're trying right. to attack these really tiny greens. Short game is going to come into play a lot. Obviously, a hot putter is going to save your ass a whole bunch. That's incredibly difficult to predict. So irons, driving distance, short game, uh, just overload on those and see what it spits you out. Uh, I actually released it. Did I release it yet? I think that I did. I just this very custom model. It was like 40% driving distance, 40% irons, 20% short game, and just who did it spit mm -hmm. out. Luke List was up there, so that was really nice to see. Oh. But if we're thinking correlation courses, in my mind, I'm thinking like Quail Hollow, Augusta, yep. Bay Hill, Torrey Pines, these older courses that we've seen around and seen a lot of the similar winners at. Like you're going to... I'm not guaranteeing you get a good player who ends up winning this week, but where we kind of leaned on that the American Express because of the weird course rotation, and it was a bit more limited this time around, throwing La Quinta mm -hmm. out of it, that maybe it gravitated towards better players playing the same course over and over, but it tends to be more random. It's something like the American Express, where you can see a long shot winner out of more regularly than you would anywhere else. Uh, when you decrease where driving distance matters and you take the overall skill set out of it, you know, hot irons and a hot putter can really go a long way when the winning score is going to be like 24 under par. We see it at the Wyndham. We see it at the Heritage. You just get these long shot winners at shorter courses because more of the field is capable of using their skill set to their best advantage. Here, it's a lot tougher to do that and similar to those other courses where you just see good players really winning every single year so you have to be cognizant of that especially in the outright betting market but for DraftKings where driving distance is so prevalent this week I think it does kind of lend to stars and scrubs a little bit that you might take some win equity out of your lineup because you're not going to have six guys who could technically win this but I think you can squeeze some lower-end guys through who just rely on one or two skills versus a normal week. I feel more comfortable with those builds. So if I play 20 lineups this week, I'll probably allocate 15 with, you know, and we'll get into the picks here in a second, but like Rom, Rory, Finau, Xander, like these are all excellent players for this course. How do you differentiate between them? Well, just use all four of them and try to pair them up with, we'll try to find guys at the bottom sixes, then you can play two of them in a lineup, and then maybe try to build five that are a bit more balanced across the board that had more win equity, but less win equity up at the top. What do you think about that strategy? Yeah, and look, it, it, if you're playing in these huge GPPs, uh, there there is a a like I, when I look at the top four, I can definitely say like you know with Rum withdrawing with Roy coming over, like there are, you can pick apart a little bit of the top four and say, well, what if I just fade the, the guys above 10k and just start my lineups with like Harris English. And Sanjay and Brooks, um, you know, there's there's an argument for that if you're if you're going contrarian to your point, right? Because when you look at this type of course, and like we've mentioned, I would add Colonial in there, I would add Riviera in there just a little bit. These guys usually tend to play well at those courses. So the win equity that you're leaving off, like you mentioned, if you go away from these top guys, especially the guy at the very top, uh, I think that's you know you're you're risking it quite a bit, but at the same time, I do think that there are lineups that that I'm looking at building that just fades the entire top you know the, the elite priced guys and start at the nine k range. Colonial is a really interesting one because that is an incredibly short course, but we've seen Rom yeah. do well there. We've seen Rose win there, and he's won at this course before. Uh, Bryson just kind of bombed his way around the course. Xander ends up losing in the playoff. Morikawa plays really well. So that's really interesting. I hadn't really considered Colonial. I, I wouldn't consider, like... Zach Johnson has had a ton of success at Colonial over the years. I would probably take the short hitters who've done well at Colonial out of that mix and take some more of the longer hitters and put them into the mix because, again, a historic venue. There are just very similar traits to some of them that you know, different types of... You're not going to get, like, Pete Dye fooled by how this course is right. laid out. It's pretty much okay. in front of you. <laughs> right, exactly. And, you know, there's... Uh, I'm sure we'll get to it in a little bit uh, of the guys that the shorter hitters that I like at these, these older courses. And, and these are the things that you're not necessarily going to see in the stat sheet, right? And you're not going to see, 
you know, how come Zach Johnson, maybe aesthetically, these longer courses or Brant Snedeker, they just set up really nicely. Of course, when you're a Brant Snedeker and you can gain 17,000 strokes putting, like that's really going to help in a certain situation like like here, like, you know, the weeks that he plays the Farmers. But at the same time, there are guys out there that just their style of game and how they approach their game and these these traditional setups tend to do well. And that's that's where I'm looking at, especially in my pivots. So before we jump into the picks, a reminder to everyone out there is that the Farmers Insurance Open, being on the coast, can really present some wind problems. So I would highly recommend you check in on Wednesday evening to Windfinder to see what's going on at the course. Because if one of these waves ends up, it's not going to be so huge the first two days, I suppose, because guys are split courses. They're all going to kind of go out at one time. There's going to be a morning and evening wave, but not as pronounced as it is when everyone's all playing the course at the same time. But if you can find like a little pocket in there right now, and it could be good news for chasers. Like if it's not super windy in the morning on Sunday, and it's going to be devastating on Sunday afternoon, maybe someone can come from behind the pack and actually go post a number. Uh, early reports, like it was very windy on Monday, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be too bad throughout the course of the week right now but it's the wind it can always change you might want to check back and potentially end up doing a either course stack for the first two days like i'm going to take six guys that start at the north course or six guys that start at the south course or potentially even say you know what it looks like the afternoon on thursday is going to get absolutely wiped out just take guys in the morning there's that potential this week i don't know exactly where that advantage lies i'll go over that on the live chat tomorrow uh wednesday 12 p.m. Eastern time on Mayo Media Network. You catch, catch the podcast after. But if you want to tune in live, you can ask your questions at the same time, too, that hopefully we have a bit more information on what's going on. Lineup lock's not going to be, like, well into Thursday on East Coast time. So you're going to have more time to tinker in the morning, too. How do you feel about that, being on the East Coast? Like, I like waking up and having my guys on the course. Like, let's go. Let's have this. Yeah, it's like it. Well, growing up in Hawaii, it was the exact opposite. Like I had, I had that every single week, right? You wake up at seven o'clock and the tournament's on already essentially. Um, and so like, I like that just because I'm used to it. Um, and at the same time, like <laughs> when it's the West coast, I love watching it cause it's beautiful. It's picturesque, but I've done so much tinkering, which has worked uh, negatively for the bankroll on Wednesday morning or excuse me on Thursday morning and Wednesday night, I'm like, Oh, I don't have to worry about it because I have Thursday morning. And then I usually forget about it. So it just never works. I'm with you. It's just, it's, it fits the way I've been doing it for so long. Yeah. The tinkering in the morning can really get to you. I've started oh, okay. to do a lineup review of my $200 single entry lineup on Sunday's show. Obviously just bubbled out of the cash this week. That's always fun. Just being like, Oh, I'm in the cash all week. Then doot, 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 doot. Uh, here, here's a word of advice. Don't use Adam long. What a jabroni. <laughs> Guy really killed me on the weekend. He was playing so well, too. Uh, so yeah, that wasn't was. great. Uh, hopefully we can rebound this week, make some cash in that. Let's get to the picks. $10,000 range. We got names up here, sir. John Rom, who has finished inside the top five and three of four starts at this event in his career, won it in his first ever trip to Torrey Pines, is, which is something that you don't normally see for a course that really rewards experience. He's 10 or 11-3. Rory's coming over from the Middle East last week after a third place finish. Gagged a bit on Sunday. Hatton passed him. He's 11. Finau's 10-7. Gagged it on Sunday. Xander, we haven't seen since Kapalua. He is 10-4. Then you got Patty Reed at 10-1. Uh, I'm just going to throw this out here. I'm going to wager that Patrick Reed is the lowest owned of these five guys. Yeah. Right. Because there's, there's easily cases that you can make with females, like the, the, the four above, right. Xander uh, obviously plays well on pole, a California kid, even though this guy has grown up, I think what very close to this course uh, went to high school in this area. His, his course history here is terrible. Uh, how is he going to, you know, play off of being on COVID over December? Uh, you know, it's, remains to be seen what, what's that what that's like but I think he's the one that really is going to make or break uh what a lot of lineups are going to do and he's the one I'm probably focusing on the most uh is because the, the course history is just not there and we know what Xander can do when he's playing extremely well towards the end of last season he had an amazing run of, of tournaments and of finishes so he's probably the one guy uh that that you know I'm trying to figure out right now and Finau, right? Finau's number one in strokes gain total on this course, you know, since 2016 gagged away another 54 hole lead. Does that affect his ownership? Probably not because everyone's going to play Tony. Everyone loves Tony. Uh, so Xander's probably the one that I'm focusing on the most. 
Xander's tough. He's cuss one and done for this week, so that's never a good sign. But you're correct. He's missed four of five cuts here in his career. And I wonder, because we've seen this with different players over the years at courses they're very familiar with. Sometimes you get the Colin Morikawa at TPC Harding Park. It's like, oh, he's played this course a bunch of times. And the lack of fans really helped him in that circumstance. And other times when people are at a home course, like they're responsible for getting tickets for people, making sure their family and friends get in. There's an extra level of pressure and time commitment that's outside of golf that we've seen. But there's no fans here this week, right? Yeah, no fans. Um, and that's actually a really good point. That's something that, you know, I forgot, you know, I, forgot, I didn't think about is that all of the obligation, does that mean Ricky's going to do well here? No media obligations? Being the farmer's guy? Probably not. Yeah, who, who knows with Ricky? I don't know where his game is at right now. It's nice to see him turn the corner a little bit at American Express, but like yeah. a top a top 30 finish isn't exactly what I think that he wants in the cards. <laughs> He's someone to really watch out for, I think, going forward. Can he kind of get it together yeah. back this week? Because obviously he's going to Phoenix next week, and that's a very happy spot for Ricky Fowler, at least over the years. We're going to see a whole bunch of guys. Rory's playing next week, too, I saw, for the first time ever. Yeah, and I think that's what a lot of these guys are doing. And, you know, Francesco Molinari, he's another one that you know, Rory said he's focusing on the, on the PGA Tour a while back. But like, that's what these guys have to do, especially in a Ryder Cup year. You're going to have to focus on that a little bit more. And, you know, going back to this, this 10K, not to jump around too much in salaries, like there's a lot of reasons to play John Rom. Like I can't find a ton to not play him. We know that that John Rom loves playing in California. He's got – you know, a handful of wins here in California. And when you're looking at what we were you're talking about earlier, Pat, of being long off the tee, having, you know, these corollaries and success at other places uh, that have these traditional setups, Memorial also comes to mind, right? I mean, he's someone that we know does well at that course and on these more traditional golf courses. So John Rahm and Xander, the two guys that I'm really focused on. And at the same time, if, if, if Xander starts, his ownership doesn't go up and we start to see other guys like Patty Reed, which I don't think is going to surpass him, then yeah, Xander might be the play. Right now, and again, it's on a Tuesday morning, so we ha- we need to let these ownership percentages gestate a little bit. It does appear like Finau is going to be the highest owned of all of these guys. Do you worry at all that Ron withdrew last week because of an injury he sustained in the gym? <laughs> I don't know. Didn't we also see him at some like soccer, like some soccer tournament or... I don't know if I'm just seeing it on social media. I'm putting way too much into that. Uh, but I do think, right, I do think he, like, he tweaked something to where he didn't want to push it. But at the same time, if these guys are teeing it up, we don't, it's not like football. We don't have an injury report where these guys have to declare how bad it is. You know, they don't have to tell us anything, really. So you have to go on, on faith a little bit. And if he's teeing it up here and we, haven't, we didn't see him withdraw like he did last time earlier in the week, you know, I can't worry about that too much because if he's fine and I worry about that and fade him and he wins this golf tournament – it's good night nurse for all my lineups. Uh, for me, I probably won't. I'm trying to make the decision on Finau of whether I want to play him or not. Like top five, Tony's great and everything, but he's now approaching yeah. like even last week at 10-4, he was like the fourth most expensive guy. It was a much weaker field. This is a stronger field, a harder course, and he's more expensive. That and he's going to be the highest owned of all these guys. Like that's kind of pushing me in one direction. I'm going to try to see if I can just build lineups with Rahm and Rory and go with it that way. It feels like Rory's going to come in, especially, it's funny because he has sort of the same Finau stink at the same time because he keeps gagging stuff away and not really playing to his truly elite status on Sundays that I, I really like Rory this week. I think there's a perfect course for him. I'm not too concerned about him coming back from the Middle East. He's done this enough times at this point and he has the perfect game for this place. And I, I just sorted on fantasy national by um, course length over 7,400 yards. Now this one is an extreme over 7,400 yards. Like you mentioned <laughs> the longest course in regular rotation, but the last time that we, you know, he's played really, well at this course kiowa is another one that can push like 7900 yards that's where he won the pga championship that's what we'll see from another major so far or uh, in may i guess for the pga championship at kiowa island this time around that i don't know if you give me a less than 20 percent rory i'm probably going to take that if i can figure out a way to get him and rom it's going to make the rest of my lineup kind of dicey but those are the two guys i really want to go after yeah, and this is when you want to get Rory, right? We saw what he did last year before the the shutdown where he was just a top 5 machine and that was his like that was his floor, which was unbelievable. And look, he's not like you're not getting a price reduction on Rory. He's the second most expensive guy, but 
you know, last week, you know, in the Middle East, there were two rounds where didn't he have the lowest round of, of the of the day in two rounds? I mean, this guy is hitting the ball extremely well. It looks like he's finally sort of, you know, the dust has settled on, on his, um, I'm not, like not playing psychiatrist here, but his, the dust has settled on, on his family life. He's kind of getting into a routine probably with his new kid. And that aside, right, like you mentioned, he's done this a million times. And you mentioned it on your shows earlier, I think a couple of weeks ago, Rory's consistently been one of the best golfers for the last five years, right? Like there, there is some equity in that. I'm not too worried about the other stuff. And I don't mind it. Not a lot of people are going to have the Rum uh, McElroy lineup, especially because you have to go way, way down. Yeah, I don't even know if it's viable. I haven't been tinkering around that much with yeah. lineups yet, but I'm very curious to see if I can actually get a build that I like out of two guys at $11,000 and above. It means basically vacating all the nines, all the eights, and probably even the upper sevens. Do I like enough people down there? Or do I have like eight guys below $7,200 that I can just kind of mix and match with all of them and hope to get lucky <laughs> with four of them? That might be my strategy in larger GPPs. Obviously, when I go right. over the $200 lineup build, it's not going to be a ramen Rory lineup. It's probably maybe one of them is in it, or maybe I shirk the entire upper range, or maybe start with Finau, something like that. Something I feel a little bit safer. I'm still trying to work through my single entry strategy on DraftKings a little because I'm not playing like the giant tournaments. I'm I'm trying to play the 222 person. So again, the margin for error in those types of tournaments is a little bit larger. Like I had a five of six last week. It should have cashed, but my two guys were horrendous on the weekend in that lineup. If they had just you know, shot 72 both days, I think I would have cashed. Uh, so <laughs> that was a problem for me. When guys are shooting 77 out on courses and you have them in your main lineup, that's not great. But looking back at Rory, do you know when the last time Rory missed a cut was? Oh, God. I don't know, like two years ago? It was the Open Championship in his hometown that Shane Lowry won. Oh, geez. And you would think, right? And like that goes to your point. That's the, the sort of the symmetry about Xander and uh, guys playing at a home course is a lot of pressure comes on that. And that's that's amazing. Um, you would have thought, right, with with all the comments that he made last, uh, last season about not feeling up to snuff. And really, that's the bar that we've set for Rory. Like if he's not winning or top five, he, top fiving, you know, these tournaments, he's playing terribly. But the, like the equity, the cut equity, right, especially like in those contests that you were mentioning, the the large uh, entry of the 222 man field, Rory seems like a pretty safe bet if you can, like, you know, if you're not worried about, you know, the stuff that, like you're mentioning, the, the traveling, the, the long distance travel, which clearly we don't care about. So I'm going to go Rory, Rom, Finau. And then I'm probably not going to use Xander or Reed. And I don't think that either are bad choices, obviously. And they're going to come in with way lower ownership. So that's always a nice sign to see if you're playing a bit of game theory in this spot. And like the Xander thing, uh, like many people, it's not necessarily the course history. It's just how do I differentiate between all of these guys? And I think it's very difficult. I think that Rom and Rory are a cut above everyone else in this tournament in terms of overall talent. And it's not to say that, I mean, Xander's a top 10 player in the world. He's fucking fantastic. And so is Finau, especially from a consistency perspective. But if I need to have the winner and I'm between those four guys, I feel much more comfortable with Rom and Rory than Finau and Xander. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, because like, when was the last time Finau won? We know this. This is a <laughs> this is a never ending tale, right? And, and Xander, look, talk about like, is Xander going to be? You know, he's got more wins than, than Finau. It's like he's not the same. Xander's a cut above Finau, uh, but you know, he's also been a guy who's been around and on the precipice of winning, but isn't necessarily closing, right? He's got again, like, he's got more wins. He's got better wins than a lot of people winning the Tour Championship uh, and and some WGCs. But he's also in that camp of, can he close? We know the top two guys can. We do. And, I mean, they've also, I mean, Rom hasn't been, Rom is, you know, a a legit closer. I think he wins like 10% of the tournaments he enters or something crazy like that worldwide. Not obviously on the PGA Tour. But when it comes, like, Xander's evolving into being like new Hideki in a weird way. Because, (laughs) like, if, because Hideki hasn't won since 2017. Uh, at the Waste Management Open. Or was it, fi- no, at Firestone. The last time it was at Firestone, I believe, was the yeah. last time he won. Maybe Justin Thomas won that year. Either way. Hey, Xander's starting to, like, creep up on that. It's only been, like, a year since he won. I think Kapalua was his last win. But if we look back, like, a year from now, and Xander hasn't won again, 
he's going to be one of these guys. Like, oh, yeah, he has like 24 top 10s in 26 tournaments, but no wins. Like, what's going on here? Um, and when you get to the top, you can't play everyone, obviously. So you need to nitpick a little bit. Like, who are your actual favorite guys? If your favorite guy is Xander, use Xander and don't use Rory. But I just prefer Rory in the spot, like I said. Uh, and Reed, yeah. he's... There's no course on earth where Reed can't play well. He is just the most inconsistent of these guys. Yeah, and when he's above 10K, right? Like, that's, that's going to be a, a tough narrative to, especially when, if you're fading the other guys, right? If you're playing two in, in the 10s, like, he, yeah, I, I can see that, maybe. But at the same time, like, you're giving up a ton because, like you mentioned, he's inconsistent. He can miss a cut. Like at the Sony Open, for instance, if he plays that, like we've seen that before, and that shouldn't be the case. Um, but yeah, I just, I just rather not. And the other four guys, I can make way better cases for. Uh, final case for Rory. You, as you mentioned, in rounds one and three over in the Middle East last week, shot the best score of the day, and then shot dueling yeah. 72s to lose by five to <laughs> Tyrrell Hatton. But that's encouraging to see that he's still going low at certain points. That's what you want here, especially at the North Course. If you can bank a lot of strokes at the North Course, you're well on your way to doing well this week. But even looking back at like post-COVID return, he was fine, but it was like T41, T32, T33. He was making every cut, but no decent finishes. Basically, since the BMW Championship, he was in the lead. Very That was the one that Rom ended up making that huge putt against Dustin in the playoff to end up winning. But Rory was lurking that entire time, had a really bad Sunday. But he was T12 there, then the Tour Championship, T7. U.S. Open, T8, C.J. Cup and Zozo, T21, T17, Masters, T5, third last week. It seems like he's rebuilding his way back up, and this would be a nice notch for him. So Rory for me. Now let's get into the the, the rest of it. If you're not going to play these guys or you want to play one of Rory or Rahm and you want to drop down, you got English, M, Brooks, Hovland, Hideki, Matthew Wolf, and Scotty Scheffler. I don't really know what to do with this range, but I'm thinking that Scotty Scheffler might be the move because people are really pissed off at him, myself included, after what he did to all of us last week. Yeah, and, and that's why that's why I love – and what I'm doing more and more this year is the guys that I liked the week previous who scorned – like who burned us, who burned me specifically, I want to give them another chance. Right. Because, if, and look, it, like when the courses, and, and it's more so the beginning of the year as well, because I think these courses line up a little bit more. Guys who have played earlier in the year, I think, have correlated to playing well in, in this first uh, part of the season. Is that, you know, they're not thinking, oh, everything's gone after this tournament. I missed the cut. Right. It could have been something that we weren't seeing. It could have been a, you know, a putting stroke like he was leaving his, like Scotty was leaving his putter face open a little bit on contact. It could be so small that you know and the margins for error on the pga tour are so minute that he can miss the cut um but like you mentioned scotty scheffler is someone that is tailor-made if you look at these type of courses these i'm not going to say u.s open type setups but these difficult courses scotty's been there like scotty's been a guy who is who's been playing extremely well on those type of courses so i i'm with you on that and then matthew like mad wolf like wolf at 9100 is going to be popular uh, he sets up, I think, for this course. I know Epat loves him. Uh, called him, called him to win this tournament last week, uh, and so I got to give him a shout out there. But yeah, when you talk about driving distance, the mix of driving distance uh, and the ability to putt when it's on, when he has a good putter that week, he really de uh, de depends on that and leans on that. I think he's my favorite here at 9100. Hideki is going to be the most popular at $9,200. I don't know how to wrap my mind around him as of yet. The one problem I have with Hovland and Wolf in this situation, I spelled it out to Jeff on the betting show, is their short games aren't good. And I think that can be incredibly yeah. problematic this week if you're going to to actually challenge to win. I mean, Matthew Wolf doesn't need to win to pay off his price at $9,100. He can come like seventh and be really good for you. I'm actually looking... Like, Scheffler, I think, is just more of a gamble. Uh, he did switch clubs last week, which we found out after the tournament started, so maybe there's an adjustment period there. We saw this happen to Justin Rose a few years ago where he switched the clubs at American Express, uh, did not play well, made the cut, became like T39 or something, and then, boom, ends up winning this tournament. So I think Scheffler is very live here. He's uh, 0 for 1 in terms of made cuts at this tournament in his career. But I know he's expensive, but Harris English has played this course really well in the past, and I feel like with the want to jam in one of the one or two of these top four guys, 
that while the early ownership projections show him around like 12%, I can see English coming in way lower than that. And I think that he might be the play here. And I don't really want to touch a lot of these. Like, I mean, if you want to make the case for Brooks, go for it. Sung Jae, go for it. Like, all these guys are excellent. There's a reason they're priced in the $9,000 range. But I think if I'm going to use any of them, I might just avoid this territory completely. And Harris English might be the only one I like here. Yeah. I think it's a great call. Um, right, right at the the, the like right at the top near Patrick Reed there. Uh, if you're going to fit two guys, your 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 auto or even just one, right? You might drop down to guy like Brooks and the narrative that man, ninety four hundred dollar Brooks or you know thirty eight to one on your thirty six fifty on the DK Sportsbook right now for Brooks is a value, right? Sort of like an auto push at that number. Uh, but you're like when you again when you look at some of the corollaries as well. Harris English plays extremely well. Like he's a guy, and you talk about around the greens. He's one of the best in this range, if not the best over the last 50 rounds in this range. And when you start to take a look, right, Sanjay, he you know his irons went bye bye uh, last week, uh, like starting round I believe on Saturday, uh, and he was playing well. But then you know he started to hit you know a few in the drink, and then it was just downhill for Sanjay. So right, is he going to get that, that figured out? Like Harris English just won. Like he just won last month. Um, and so, yeah, I like that $9,800 or $9,800 Harris English because we know what he can do with ball striking. And if that putter gets going, he can contend with guys at the top like Rom and Rory. We saw it with DJ, uh, what he was trying to contend, but DJ was just on another level. He's a guy that can compete with the best. So maybe instead of Rom and Rory, or sorry, yeah, Rom and Rory, maybe one of Rom and Rory and Harris English and work my way down. I think that will make myself unique enough that I can kind of take whoever as I go down the list. And it gives me an extra more than $1,000 to play with the bottom end of my lineup. So that's always nice too, that I can jam in one more like quality guy in like the lower eights. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I know with me, as I've talked about before, the winter, the cold, the darkness, it just gets me down. Uh, I need to find ways to get around that and maybe talking it through is something that I need to go do and BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours and this is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. And the service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. And you'll get a timely, thoughtful response. Plus, you can schedule a weekly video or phone session so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more than affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. This one about Anthony Penn. After counseling with Anthony Penn for two weeks on issues concerning depression, stress, anxiety, relationship issues, family concerns, trauma, and abuse, grief, self-esteem, he does a great job listening and giving me counsel. That's one of the reviews from Anthony Penn at BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Mayo. That's Better H-E-L-P. And join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. There's a special offer for Pat Mayo experienced listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Mayo. So let's talk about the eights. Kicks off with C. Woo! Kim coming off a win, 8900 bucks. Then you go down to Bubba, Leishman, Day, Cam Smith, Palmer, Horschel, Zalateros, Louie, and Ricky is the entire range. If I don't do like the superstars and super scrubs type lineup, I feel very comfortable doing like a Leishman, Cam Smith, Ryan Palmer, Zalatoris lineup uh, and having that as like a core four and trying to build around there and see what I'm left with. Maybe go a bit cheaper on one, bit more expensive on the other side, or even just try to stick in the high sevens. I really like this range of guys, which makes that stars and scrub like superstars double up at the top really difficult to do because I do like this range a lot. Uh, who are your guys from down here? And I don't know what to do with Bubba yet. I'm still trying to wrap my mind yeah. around, but I might just bet Bubba and not use him on DraftKings. Right. 
Right. Bubba is probably going to, I mean, Bubba, you talk about like course history. This guy is one of the best. And if you look at his stats at the, at the South course here, Tita Green, he's been number one, like the longest time, like his, his Tita Green game here at this course has been fantastic. So if you're playing the course history narrative, I think he's right. He's got to be an auto pick for you at 8,800. But I look at this and, and Palmer, I love that college because he plays well uh, on this course. He plays well at this sort of juncture in the career, like, in the schedule, other guys like, you know, Charles Howell, Hoffman, um, they also play well here, but a guy that I'm trying to figure out and I really like is Billy Horschel at $8,200. He's been playing well of recent, not a guy that you're thinking about, right? Sort of in that, what I was saying earlier, not a long hitter, but we've seen him play well at this course, but he's been inconsistent, right? He's got two top tens, I believe in the last five or six years, but he's also got like 60, you know, a 64th and a 55th. But when he gets a hot putter, and that's kind of what you're seeing guys like Mark Leishman, Snedeker, Wing here, he's someone that I think a lot of people are going to look at, like what you were saying, Will Zalatoris being this turn, like the first time we can play Will, uh, and the guys up at top, up top like Leishman and, and Day, maybe, I think uh, a guy like Horschel might go a little overlooked. I can see that. And, I mean, Horschel and Ricky, I would expect to be the two lowest-owned guys of this range, and probably for good reason. Like, even when you go and look at Horschel's yeah. stats, he keeps making cuts, but he gained eight strokes putting at Sony. And it didn't. he was there at the end, but he never really had a chance to win uh, by the time it all came down to it by the end of the weekend. And I feel... Like, I don't want to have to take the guy this week where everything has to go right for them. And his irons have been dog shit over, like, the past six months. <laughs> like, he's driving the ball well. He's putting well. Like, Billy's a good player. I think I'm going to pass on him here. Like, and Palmer's going to be uber chalk. So yeah. if you don't want to use Palmer because he's going to be too popular, he's still Ryan Palmer. He can definitely fuck this up. So I wouldn't worry too much about him. I like him this week. But you're going to get a sub 10% day here. Uh, Leishman's not garnering a ton of interest. Bubba, a little bit. Cam Smith is someone I really like here as well. So I would prefer to go with the guys that just hit it longer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but like, you know, if, if you're playing sort of the the guy like the the Brant Sanderker type move here right the Zach Johnson type player it is it, it's Billy Horschel right the the wedges are great um the, the putting like you mentioned has been you know the thing that's the thing that's saving him in these tournaments so you know when you start to get a little bit more contrarian and this is something that I've tried to do as well is is when you're building your lineups you don't always have to have every single pivot or contrarian in all of these ranges like you mentioned is like what's the good shock? Palmer might be the good shock. You know, Bubble might be the good uh, the good shock in this range. You know, like and Billy because he's a pivot because he's lower owned. You don't necessarily have to make you know you don't have to force him into the lineup and make him work. I just like I, I take a look at some of the stuff where the past winners have played earlier in the season, and again, that's not the only thing that I'm looking up looking at. And, and the streakiness of a guy like you know Horschel, maybe he should fit in the, like the high sevens, and we might be okay with that. Uh, because that's when you get the the really incons inconsistent players in the seven k range, but yeah, Billy Horschel is just whenever, like whenever I try to play Billy, he doesn't play well. Whenever I think he shouldn't play well, of course he does. And so I'm trying to to see if that's going to work this week. And probably my lineups, you know, uh, you know, with Billy might not work out. It's a really easy to get away, not necessarily get away from chalk, but have a unique construction with guys in this range. It just means not using like Finau as your first guy or Rom as your first guy. Like right. if you used Harris English as your first guy, you use the chalkiest guys in the 8K range because very few people are just going to have that build. So that's a very easy way to get around that kind of thing. So yeah, Smith, Palmer, Zalatoris. I like a lot of guys here. Bubba and Day. What do you make of Day? Like, do you, do you have any faith? He has the new swing coach. He's won here twice in the past five years. No one wants to play him because he's stupid Jason Day and he might withdraw, but he can get it going no problem. Yeah. And I look at what he's done at the other courses that we talked about earlier in the show, right? Like Firestone, Quail Hollow. Like, that is Jason Day. Like, Jason Day on this course should do well. And he has, right? He's won this course. Uh, he'll definitely be in some of my lineups just because of that. I, I think that, you know, we we rarely try to go off the guys who we haven't seen, especially someone like Jason Day, who can easily, you know, completely blow up our lineups with what he's been able to do. And look, his approach as, as was not good coming off the restart, right? It just wasn't. Like, he wasn't there. He had that stretch of, I think, three or four tournaments, maybe three tournaments, where the irons were really hot. And then he faltered. He went back to the being the old Jason Day where he just could not get the irons right. 
But yeah, eighty six hundred dollars. If Bubble and, and and Palmer are going to garner a, a lot of that ownership and soak up a lot of the ownership, I'm looking at guys like Jason Day who have won here before and have success at these other courses. Seven K range. It kicks off with Cam Davis, who I would expect to be incredibly popular this week. Uh, he fits the skill set here very well. He hits the ball a mile. He scores very very well. So. Uh, I would expect him to come in around like 15 to 20% when all is said and done. Sam Burns is up here as well. Woodland going to be incredibly chalky. Coke Rack we're seeing for the first time, but a very good skill set for this course. Uh, Corey Connors we're seeing for the first time this year. Gooch is getting just a lot of buzz this week, so I would expect him to come in very highly owned as well. I don't really know how to play the top end of this range. Carlos Ortiz kind of sticks out to me in a weird way. Yeah, what are you doing with Corey Connors, too? Like, I, I kept on looking at Corey. Like, I, I'm not going to play him, but every single, like, stat or, like, course correlator that I was looking at, he does pop in some, uh, but $7,700 for Corey Connors. I'm, I'm gravitating towards Gary and uh, and Molinari. Like, I think Molinari, too, $7,800. Um, he kind of fits that. And maybe it's – maybe my case for Billy is more fit for Molinari is, like, he was – dog shit like you mentioned like he just did not play well at all last year right after that masters after tiger just ate his soul uh he just did not play well after that and finally we see that francesco moved his family to los angeles uh he's going to focus on the pga tour more this is a a Ryder cup year like he's going to play a ton of these tournaments so maybe molinari in a, like in a week or so might be the play but at $7,800, we've seen him play well on these type of courses, right? He does not fit uh, the, the mold of playing well here or, or driving the ball a ton, but he he gets around. He's that guy. So maybe it's more so Francesca Molinari at $7,800, especially if Gary is going to be so heavily owned. We know Gary can easily eject uh, because, because of that injury or just because he's Gary Woodland. So I kind of like Francesca Molinari in this frame. Uh, and you're looking at someone who's going to be very low on this week. I used Molinari last week. He was, I mean, he came in ninth. That was great. And when yeah. you look at, he played well in Houston and came 15th. He came ninth last week at American Express. Those are two much better courses for him, obviously. But he is someone that should hit the middle of the fairway. And that can be a decent advantage for him because with so many people in the rough, he gets a very clean ball to go hit. Uh, can play really well in the wind. He has a very streaky putter. Not always the best putter as a following shot track last week and be like oh four feet for for chesco here we go oh it's a miss great same as paul casey like thanks paul but he's a very good long iron player pretty good short game and you're just getting such an ownership discount on all of it and where we saw him again in houston and last week when you look at the overall metrics from him he gained off the tee on approach around the green and on the greens not a ton in each but he's gaining in all four facets of the game and if we're just talking about overall talent from this range I mean, I would probably be more prone to go to Molinari and Champ or maybe even Sam Burns, to tell you the truth. I'm curious yeah. to see what you think of him because he had the disastrous round one in American Express. He was super chalky. Everyone loved him, and he just completely ejected in round one. Played really well in round two, and he's a bomber, man, and he can putt when he gets going. Uh, in, in the stat modeling I have right now, he's ranked number 10 in this field. Yeah, he the stats love Sam Burns. Um, and, and look, he's, he's someone that fits the mold of how most of us in the industry not just like correlate to the success to this tournament, but he's in a he's a ball striker extraordinaire, right? And and Sam Burns, I think earlier in his career, he was known for his putting. Like Sam Burns was an amazing putter earlier in his career, and now he's really done well to work in his ball striking vomits like you know down the field like he's number one like over the last 50 rounds he's number one in ops gained on uh, fantasy national so we know that he can get it extremely close with his irons but to that point right he's someone that i think is going to garner a lot because when you look at his stats against the other guys in this range like he just pops way more and it looks better right it looks better if you have if you start fee now and maybe you go with a guy like Leisha or Scotty Scheffler, and you have Sam Burns sitting there at $7,700. I think a lot of people like what that, that line of construction looks like, and they don't like seeing like Finau Brooks Molinari, right? That just doesn't fit their eye, so to speak. And so I get it, but I'm going to be off Sam Burns. I think he's going to garner way, uh, a lot more ownership as, uh, well, as the week progresses tomorrow and earlier on Thursday. Uh, potentially so. I'm probably going to fade Cam Champ. I'm giving Benny Ann a look coming off a decent week. Um, yeah. You know, fairway, short game. That's kind of his jam. He still hits the ball like a lot longer than I think people think. He's above average in this field in terms of driving distance. But 
again, with the line of construction that I'm thinking about using, I might just avoid this entire area as well because I don't have any one particular lean to a guy. Ortiz is really the only one that sticks out. I don't think that a lot of people are going to use him. If we drop down to like the lower half of the 7K region... Not a ton of great options here either. Like, Werner sticks out, but we haven't seen him yet. I might go back to my boy, Johnny Question Marks. John, uh? He is the exact opposite of the prototype that I want this week, but he's played this course really well in the past. And he lost so many strokes putting on the weekend that just it can't happen again because he's not a shitty putter. He should be able to play well. He's going to hit all the fairways. He's really good with his long iron. So I, I don't mind him uh, at $7,000. Matt Jones has actually been playing sneaky well too. I'll probably fade Snedeker, fade Tringali. Yeah, I don't love the sevens. I, I think that there's not, based yeah. on, because so much win equity is tied up in the very top end guys this week, I don't think that there's a huge differentiation between the 6K and 7K based on the upside that they can present. Obviously, guys in the 6K are probably going to be more volatile, but there are options I like because of the price discount that you get on certain guys versus even, let's say, a Max Homa, who has a really good skill set for this course. But Max Homa at 74 versus some guys at like 63, is Max Homa $1,000 or $1,200 better? And if it means taking Homa, so if I have Homa in English or I can have $6,300 guy in Rory, I think I'd rather have the Rory lineup. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And there's a $6,300 guy that I have my eye on that I want to get your... You're taking when we get to that range, but you're exactly right. Like this, I feel like this is a Ben Raza. I think this is like the Raza range, right? Where he loves uh, talking about these guys in the seven Ks. And, and to his point, I think there are some cases where this is where you see, I think the, the, the most upside with guys that are in this range that have maybe popped, maybe our course history guys earlier, like earlier in the season. And a couple of guys that I have my eye on uh, Charlie Hoffman. We don't know what his status is, right? Cause didn't he withdraw last week? With a back injury, uh, yeah. He, yeah. Made, he made the cut, was playing well. I think he was like eight or nine under after two rounds. And I, I wake right. up, and I'm looking at my lap. because I use Charlie Hoffman. And I was just like, oh, withdraw. <laughs> Great. Yeah, like he's someone that's interesting. But like with the back injury, like I'm more worried about him than I'm worried about Rom, which is weird. I don't know why. I have no logic for that. But he's someone that I'm looking at. Charles Hall, Charles, CH3 always plays this part of the season well I think yeah you know what more. you know what you say that but he missed the cut last week he was ander curse mind yeah. you but he missed the cut at the he missed the cut at the amex like he's just he's yeah. evolving to a different point of his guy. career that and it's not like people aren't using people are using charles howell this week gim huh yeah. and howell are like the from the bottom end of the 7k seem to be where the early ownership is gravitating towards that i, I just charles howell doesn't do it for me here he rarely does it for me and i think he's past the point right. of his career where he is uber consistent that used to be his biggest thing like chucky three sticks he's gonna make the cut and come 36 then like that's fine at 7100 bucks he doesn't have that sort of floor anymore i feel like yeah, like he he was like the you know the top thirty version of Matt Kuchar, right? He just made the cut, get his paycheck, and be out of there. Like he's someone again. Like I, I you know, you kind of maybe stop, take a look at Charles Howell, but Joel Dahman, like seventy three hundred dollars for Joel Dahman. Like again, he's not a long hitter at all, right? He's a streaky guy. He was the like Varner, like HV three was Harold Varner. Uh, excuse me, was Joel Dahman like in 2019. Like HV3 had like, all of these first round leaders. That was Joel Dahman in 2019. Uh, and that's not necessarily what I'm looking at and correlating to, to playing well here. But he's another guy. When you look at Coil Hollow, when you look at some of these longer courses uh, uh, for Joel Dahman, he pops. Like he's a guy that pops at some of these courses. And again, at seventy at $7,300, you don't necessarily need a top five, right? Like, you don't need necessarily like a guy who's going to win you. That'd be great. But if you can get me a top 15, a top 10, he's someone that, again, at this range, I'm looking at, can can there be a, like a like the narrative around someone like a Joel Dahman who's going to be, what, 5% rostered at most at in this most, range? Yeah. He's someone that's... I, 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 I don't like Damon this week. He just he doesn't hit the ball long enough for me. He's going to have to get so yeah. streaky. The guy I like from down here that people are just so pissed off with after using last week, I like Seb Strzok at 7100 bucks. I feel like this course fits him yeah. a whole lot better than last week's course. Yeah, proximity too. Those long irons, he's top ten over the last fifty rounds. So if you like Seb Straka is someone too, right? He like you mentioned is when you get him at this number at seventy one hundred dollars, we saw it last season as well. Like for for a good portion of those tournaments, he paid you know he like he paid dividends. His ROI was great. Um, I, I personally haven't you know I'm not gonna like, haven't built my lineups with Seb Straka in it as much. 
Doc Redman. Talk about well, like he and answer. Talk about guys who are like just complete. Like I was pulling my hair out. If A would be four feet from the hole, and then you'd see like he'd miss a putt by like three feet. Uh, but Doc Redman too, right? Like I don't think this course fits him at all. I'm not. Be, I'm not going to play him. But you know that goes to what I was saying earlier. Like some of these guys that didn't necessarily play well the week previous. I don't. I'm not too hung up on that. Like if they like lost eight strokes through approach. And yeah, like don't play that guy. Maybe he got injured on something, but like Seb Schrock, I just like I don't have a feel on right now. And I'd rather go with guys like Joel Dahman and have him ruin my lineup. How do you feel about Luke List week here in the sixes? <laughs> oh god. Oh man, you like you're the list whisperer. Maybe not last year. Uh, no, he was being he was he was bad last year, but he's played oh, really well through two events so far. You'd think this course sets up perfectly. <laughs> perfectly for him as someone who's used Luke List in the past. Won money with Luke List in the past. You have to be prepared for him to go the other way, too. Yeah, I don't know what to do with Luke List. I'm, I'm, I'm playing. I'm just you... straight up, I'm playing him. <laughs> yeah, and that's what you have to do, right? Straight up, I'm playing him. Um, like, I, I hate doing this and, and be the guy that J.B. Holmes. Yeah. Like, he, he, he parachutes into this tournament, gains like eight strokes putting, uh, he had like he does not play well, and then he comes in at sixty eight, sixty nine hundred dollars. Excuse me, and he's a guy that that, pl- that can play this tournament extremely well. I think Kevin Streelman is also someone. Again, yeah, like I know pass. I'm going like, yeah, like like these guys don't hit the ball well, but like he's a streaky player as well. And the guy that pissed me off last week, uh, Pat, was Kramer Hitchcock. Like, I don't I, every I, single- why, why were so many people in on Kramer Hitchcock last week? I, I think the stats lined up. For Hitchcock, and then he played. He played Sony, right? He shot back to back sixty-five. So I think it was lining up a little bit. I think I hit like almost every single fairway. Like in the like, you know, one like I forget uh, if he which course he played in the first or second round. But like when the shot tracker was on that course, he hit every single fairway, but just was like hot garbage with his irons. I'm I, I got a star. I gotta say this. I have a star next to his name on Fantasy National. I don't know if I want to go back to him yet. But yeah, Luke List. He's getting a lot of love, and I'm going to leave it to you to, uh, to, to explain why Luke List is a play this week. I mean, the drive, he's third in the field in driving distance over the past 50 rounds. That really works out well. You have to hope that he doesn't putt himself out of the tournament, which is always on the table when it pertains to Luke List. But the short game is back. The irons are back. The, yep. the driving never left. And even last week, T21 in the three rounds, or he was T21 at American Express in the three weighted rounds at the die course, you know, minus 2.5 strokes putting. That's, that's Luke List. The week before at Sony, he missed the cut, struck the shit out of the ball, great off the tee, good with the irons, good around the greens, lost almost six strokes putting in two rounds. So you have to know what you're in for. The fast greens, they do worry me a little bit, but he tends to be less crappy on POA than anything else. So maybe maybe the North Course really gets him going with the bent grass greens. But I just think that he's sort of the, you don't want to go... 100% Luke List. But I think if you're playing right. mix and match, like I'm going to do down in this range, and I like your J.B. Holmes cool call, I think that if you're just going to gamble on guys who have the skill set, Holmes, List, Patrick Rogers, who I never play, I do think isn't a bad fit for this course. Wyndham Clark is the one that I'm looking at. Uh, 11th in driving distance, great around the greens, can't really hit an iron to save his life. But I think that he does enough of what you want. You're not going to get a perfect player in the 6Ks, but I think that he is someone that could end up popping here this week. Not not your boy, Kramer Hickok. <laughs> yeah. No, Kramer uh, did not do well. Uh, you know, the, the guy I alluded to earlier, that $6,300 guy, like this is like there's there's so many reasons not to play him, but I think there's one good reason to play him is Will Gordon. Oh, I'm in. I'm and in on Will, going, I'm I'm in on Will Gordon too. He was the guy I had pegged oh, at yeah. 63. Yeah, and if you, especially if you're going at the like the the double stack up there in the 11Ks with Rory and Rom, like why not? Right, Will Gordon, like one of the best in like the best in the field uh, of his last 50 rounds in proximity uh, over 200 yards. If you want to play that. Uh, that key stat on on fantasy national and he can hit the ball a ton and we know right when he when he can get on a course that where his driver can give him an advantage he's a guy that pops so sixty three hundred dollars yeah yeah give me some will gordon yeah will gordon at 63 i think there's a bunch of guys down here that you can kind of make the case for a little bit sung you'll know is the weirdest one uh just he always just plays much better on poa uh and at the same time he's second and around the greens he's not super short off the tee he's a top 40 in driving distance no one's going to use him so that that's a way that you can kind of approach that if you want he's actually he just so rarely plays is the problem when was the last time we saw him did he play last week he missed the cut last week wasn't good 
Uh, and then we hadn't seen him since work day before that. So maybe he's just been too inactive uh, over the past year to really get going. But J.J. Spawn is someone else who tends to play really well at this yeah. course. Uh, if we're just going to go on pure stats, Will Gordon, like you said, excellent, has the driving distance to go along with it. Tyler McCumber is another one uh, that you could potentially get behind. Ryan Brem, second in the field driving distance. Probably not necessarily for me, but someone like Joseph Bramlett is down at 61, and these are the guys I need to make those Rom-Rory lineups work if it's going to happen. Uh, Bramlett was a disaster. He's been a disaster, really, for a while, so maybe I'll I'll not end up going back to him. But again, if you're going to gamble, gamble on the right skill set down here. Who else? Um... I mean, Nick Watney has won this tournament before. I mean, that's back when Nick Watney was <laughs> so, playing on Ryder Cup teams, but... Well, oh, good Lord, he hasn't, he, he hasn't made bad. a cut since the Safeway. Good God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was looking at Watney because his, when we were going through those names, uh, like he popped, right? Because we know that Nick Watney has done good, done well in courses like Quail and, and like at the Farmers, but man, he's been bad of recent... Uh, I know this might be more for Feinberg, but Bo Hostler, any love for Bo Hostler there at, at you know, 62? It's ranked seventh in putting. Like, he has to have one of those those putting, you know, he's decent. He has been, has been decent around the greens. Uh, but he's, again, a guy that, you know, if you want to play that angle, he sucks everywhere else, but he's got the short game. He does. I think for me, it, it, like, I mean, my, my guy, Justin Suh, is back in the field this week, too. I, I actually like Justin Sue. Uh, but I'm trying to think of the guys I'll actually be using. Like, I have stars next to a whole bunch of guys just to try to make a short list with all of it. But, like, Brandon Hagee coming off a good week. He bombs it out there. Uh, so I don't mind him as much. Pretty good around the greens, too. So he's at 6,500. Vegas coming off of COVID. Uh, I'm not really sure what to make of him, but he's had some nice runs, and it's not like his distance has got any worse over the years. And the last time we saw him was a T20 last year at the OHL uh, by Akoba to end the season. So so, you know, decent type of stats there. He lines up well. I mentioned McCumber. Christoph Ventura is another bomber who can really ride a hot putter a lot of the time. But Scott yeah. Stallings would be the other one. So the one that I'm really trying to, like, get a grasp on, Stallings at 66 and Andy Ogletree at 6,600 as well. Like, do I just say, you know what? Andy Ogletree's supposed to be awesome. Why wouldn't this be a spot where he <laughs> plays awesome? Right. Uh, like, don't look at the stats if you want to play Ogletree, right? He's, he's yeah, not but that, but, yeah, but, yeah, but that can really get you off track in a big way. It's, it's almost right. like saying Sam Burns is the best in proximity from 200 yards or Will Gordon. Like, they're not playing the, they're not U.S. Open and Zozo. Like, right. they're playing the Sanderson Farms and they're playing against much weaker right. competition <laughs> exactly. at easier courses. Like, the stats can be manipulated in any way that you kind of want to use them. It's great that they're up there and they can do this, but let's not pretend like Will Gordon's going it out and just socking it against like the elite players in the world. <laughs> I look at someone like Ogletree, if you look right. at his stats, yeah, of course they're going to be awful. He played the U.S. Open as an amateur uh, and missed the cut. He played yeah. Memorial as an amateur. Memorial was so hard that week uh, and missed the cut. He played the Heritage as an amateur and missed the cut. He played Charles Schwab as an amateur and missed the cut. But since he played the Masters as an amateur, uh, where there is no strokes gained data from, and came 34th, turned pro at Mayakoba, came 46th. So now that we've seen him, he's right. a U.S. AM champion. He has this high pedigree. He pounds the ball out there that at $6,600 – it's almost like how Will Zalatoris is now primed in the $8,000 region. Like if you would just, and Skylar Hoke was the one who was just suggesting play Zalatoris at the U S open. He's going to be really good. He's tearing up the corn Ferry tour. He has the perfect type of game for the U S open. And I think that his game translates really well to Tory pines as well, but now he's $8,300. I mean, despite the fact that he looks like Kenneth from 30 rock Ogletree should have the perfect skill set for this. Now, it's his first like big time event as a professional. Maybe he gets overwhelmed, but I think that he's just outright better than a lot of these guys down here. Like I like Haggy's skill set. I like Vegas's skill set. I like Will Gordon's skill set. Ogletree is like a legit player. Right. Right. And he just hasn't. And to your point too, right. If you're looking at other like stat, like he just hasn't played enough measured rounds uh, to, to really have any, like to build out a, a bigger picture uh, of his quote unquote stats. Right. If you're using that, uh, to really pick your guys this week. And, and to your credit, look, under six, or excuse me, under 7K, like you don't need like the like the, the, the best of the best, right? And that's why they, the reason why they're down here is because there's not a lot of cases right now to make for them from an analytical standpoint. But like you mentioned, he's got solid finishes and he's a player that a lot of us have been watching that uh, kept our eye on. Like Joseph Bramlett, he was that guy, you know, maybe a year or two ago, right? He was that person that everyone was kind of keeping their eye on 
And that's the same with guys that, that, that came up like Sanjay and, and those other guys uh, that came up through the ranks a couple of years ago is that all of us had our eyes on these guys and we're now getting a price reduction on a, you know, a stock that could be rising very, very quickly. So I like it. Um, but I'm not using, I, I'm not doing a lot of the stars and scrubs. I'm trying to do a little bit more balance this week. And so uh, I'm not spending too much time in the 6k range, but yeah, I'll go treat someone that I think I'm looking at, uh, later on the season. Uh, I'll probably end up playing Ryan Brem at $6,100 as well. Two for two in cuts here. Made his last four cuts uh, in the swing season overall. Now, some of those are like Corrales and Bermuda because those are the only tournaments he gets invited to. But he, the guy is just a pure bomber. And he is very good from beyond yeah. 200 yards. It's almost like classic Charlie Bejean, Belgian, or how the fuck you pronounce his last name. But <laughs> there are just some courses where driving distance just means so much more than everything else. And this is one of them, so you can play him. Uh, I don't expect a you know, T21. But if at 6,100 he comes T46, I'm good. Yeah, no love for your boy Satosh Kodaira? No, no at, at, like... at, at this course? No, thank you. <laughs> no. No, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, like, like again, you're starting to look at guys down here, like uh, T Ted Potter Jr., no way. Like, of course you want, like, this, there's, like, don't spend too much time down here, I would suggest. Uh, like, if you're spending, like, like you were, like we were talking about earlier, um, getting guys at the higher price, right, wanting to make a lot of lineups uh, with the higher price guys, then, yeah, absolutely. You're going to want to start making cases for these guys down here. Um but one other person that I'd mentioned that he's in the higher 6K range is Kyle Stanley. Um, oh, again, I, 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 I remember ball. the Kyle Stanley meltdown at this course. It was... Oh, yeah. That was one of Snedeker's wins. Okay. Like, Snedeker has two wins at this course, and they both came in really weird fashions. One was that yeah. Jimmy Walker and KJ Choi and Scott Brown were way ahead of everyone. Like, someone turned on, like, the all-time win machine. Everyone shot, like, 83, except for Snedeker, who finished on Sunday and shot 67 and just won, like, a day and a half later yeah. after he had finished golfing. But he won this course the time before. I think that Stanley had a three-stroke lead going into 18 or a two-stroke lead, and he yeah. dumped, like, three in the water on the 72nd hole. And Snedeker just oh, yeah. <laughs> and But he came back that next tournament, right? Yeah, he, he, he yeah, won. He, so. Yeah, he, he won the next week in Phoenix when Spencer Levine right. was way out on top of everyone. It's still my favorite golf right. moment of all time. I feel bad for, for six pence, none the richer, but he had a cactus <laughs> in his ass at one point. He probably smoked oh, in it. Yeah. Like he was in the cactus. He got it stuck in his ass. He was trying to hit it out from like That's the right. middle of the desert, and he may have smoked an entire pack of cigs on the back nine. He was just melting down. And then Stanley won. All right. Right, exactly. So, like, he's someone that I think has some good memories here, like 67. I'm trying to stay outside of Will Gordon. I'm trying to stay in the high sixes. But he's someone, again, when you start to look at these longer old-style courses like Bay Hill, Quail, and Firestone, like Kyle Stanley has popped up in the top 15 in some of these courses on some years. So he's another one in the 6K range that I'm keeping my eye on. He is, but usually you see some form from Kyle Stanley. He's just not been good. Yeah. That's the problem. No, he's, he's been... He's been garbage. Like he's been absolute garbage. Do, do you know who the Although, new? Look, do, do you I, know? Do you know who the new Kyle Stanley actually is? Who? It's Grio. Oh yeah. They do exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. Like Grio's like the better version of Kyle Stanley. Yeah, but Grio's always priced in like the eight K range. Sure, because like, he's, he's like, not. He he isn't this week. Who's better? Like Rio's better than Stanley. But, yeah, but they do like, exactly. Like, that's someone we didn't even mention because he's a short hitter. He's kind of right. like, uh, yeah. like him and Connors are kind of back to back. But like Grio is, Grio's all right. Grio could play well here. Yeah, well, like, has he, has man, he played 90, well here? Yeah, he is. He's a, a I mean, his ball striking hitter? is great. That's the thing. Yeah, and, he, he's and he's ball. like, the ball striking has been really good coming in. I guess the yeah. Irons let him, like, really let him go. Like, he is, he is weirdly to say this, but his putter saved him on Saturday last week. And then he had a terrible <laughs> final round. But we keep seeing it the first two rounds. Maybe he's a showdown guy. I don't know. Uh, but the guys that I'm here, so here's the list of guys, and I'll refine these again on the live chat on Wednesday List, Rogers, Wyndham Clark, Stallings, Ogletree, Haggy, McCumber, Will Gordon and Brim. I have no yeah. like real lean on which one of those guys is going to be any better than any of the other guys. But if I'm going to run Rom Rory lineups, having a mix of like three of those guys in them and just kind of like shuffling them through each of the lineups, like randomly might be the way I play a lot of my lineups this week. Yeah. No one's like, <laughs> no one's going to have, or not a lot of people, excuse me, are going to have three six K guys, right? I don't think that's going to be a build 
that you're going to see a lot of dupes, you know, like there's not going to just going to be a lot of them. Um, so, you know, like, again, if you're playing these bigger tournaments, especially earlier in the year, I think there are, there are places that you can leverage. And one of them is, you know, having three, six K guys. And another one is playing these T draws. I think there is, you know, if you want to get away from the potential rain on Friday morning and you want your guy to do well in the North course, they construct those lineups. If you have tiebreakers, right. If you're looking at some guys that, man, I, like, I want to play one, you know, like I want to play Grio or, or Palm or like, you know, around that range. I want to play one of these guys. Look at the T draws. Cause I think there is definitely something to be said that you want your guy to play a clean North course and score as much as possible. Uh, that's really when you look at these past winners, they've done extremely well and scored low uh, on the North course. So that'd be my one, uh, I guess, caveat of looking at these guys. If there is no specific lean, Maybe look at the T-Draw to make sure you get a clean North Course. Just looking at the weather right now, and again, this I'll update it on Wednesday, and you might want to check it again on Thursday morning. But North Course in like the very early morning looks pretty good right now. No wind, yeah. and then it picks up to up to like wind gusts of geez, like 17, 20 miles per hour in the afternoon. And then on Friday, you mentioned the rain overnight, but like we're up to 25, 30 miles per hour, a constant wind of like 24 throughout the entire, basically starting at 10 AM. So that entire day might have some sort of challenge to it across all tea times. But if there is rain in the morning, uh, if part of the morning gets wiped out and you can see that it might push the morning guys from Thursday into Saturday where there's no wind. So you might somehow get a better draw that way. That's just me trying to galaxy yeah. brain my way around it. So I'll check it out again. Uh, anyway, Reed Fowler, where can everyone check you out? Yeah. Reed T Fowler on Twitter. Uh, articles go up the same place. Uh, your articles go up Pat on DK nation uh, where we do. Uh, we, I think this, this week we're going to do, I'm going to do a new article that goes through some of the pivot plays as well in each range or a tournament type of article to see, you know, where potentially lineups aren't looking at. That's coming out on Wednesday. But yeah, find me on Twitter, Reed T. Fowler. It's where all my work uh, ends up, like everyone else. Yeah, uh, so me as well. It's where my cheat sheet will be. Subscribe to Mayo Media Network. You do that. Retweet the tweet that's up on my Twitter feed. You're in a draw for 100 bucks. You leave a five-star review. That's 10 stars. Five stars. Five-star review on Apple Podcasts with your Twitter handle or email and something nice about the show. You're in a draw for 100 bucks. That winner will be drawn on... Monday, I'll do the subscriber draw for the YouTube channel on Wednesday. So I'll announce that live 12 p.m. Eastern time on the show tomorrow. So please subscribe to Mayo Media Network. You can check out my pivots column up on ftndaily.com on Wednesday. You can check out my bets betting cheat sheet on the show tomorrow as well. And just go check everything out, all right? I'm Pat Mayo, sub to Fantasy National slash Mayo for the 20% off. That's the one I was forgetting. Good luck this week. I'll see you next time. Experience! Experience!